And we are live. Welcome to the FFS podcast. I'm your host Praddy, and this is episode nine. Now, if we turn the nine upside down, we get six, and there's a special connection with six and today's episode because we're going to be talking about Liverpool. So, should we talk about six? <laughs> uh, probably not today, but. Anyway, joining me on today's episode or in today's episode is an old friend of mine from school, Rohit. So, Rohit, would you like to introduce yourself? Hey, thanks, Pradi. So, Pradi and I know each other back from school. Like he said, we studied together almost what eight, nine years ago now. Ah, uh, yeah, dude. <laughs> yes, it's been a, it's been a while, and this is probably the first time I've spoken to him since we've left school. So it's it's uh it's it's good to good to be back speaking with you bro but yeah, uh i mean we were supposed yeah. to meet last year or something right yeah we were we were uh i don't know whether i bailed or you bailed i'm not no, sure no i hey 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 no i think yeah. uh the thing was like your flight got delayed or something ah uh, okay okay yeah when i came into dubai yeah that's right that's yeah. it's my bad yeah uh, yeah. yeah well it's the plane's fault not yours but anyway <laughs> okay yeah. so uh let's talk about uh, talking about Liverpool, let's talk about their mm-hmm. defense. Okay, this is a topic which kind of surprised me that it would come up in the podcast because it wasn't really much of a concern back last season when we mm-hmm. were probably one of the best defenses in Europe. Yeah, but uh, let me before I ask you for your opinions on this, I just want to throw in a few stats, which is in the first seven matches as compared with last year, Liverpool have conceded five goals. As opposed to two goals last season. That's mm-hmm. stat number one. And stat number two, which... Well, stat number one doesn't really say much. Because two versus five isn't that big of a difference. But I think the major difference comes in that... Uh, in stat two, when I say that... Liverpool in the first three games last season only conceded or faced only 19 shots. Which is quite astonishing given that... Our defense wasn't too great in 17-18. But yep. this season, in the first three games, including the Super Cup, we've already we already uh, faced 40 shots. Now, while we didn't concede many goals, that still could be a slight, uh, slight concern to Klopp and to the defense of Liverpool. Now, there are various factors where, at least from when I was watching Liverpool, that came up. Uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. So, let's mm-hmm. start off with the high line that Liverpool have probably started using or have adopted. The defence has adopted. Now, Van Dijk, uh, uh, Arnold, I don't know if Robertson addressed it, but these guys have said that it's not something that they worked on in training. But yeah. clearly, they've kind of moved a few yards ahead while defending. And I just wanted to get your ideas to what you thought of it, why they're doing it, and all of that. So, sure. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, I, I completely agree with you, uh, Pradi, with what you've said. Uh, they have conceded quite a number of shots. Um, to be to be very honest, when you've watched Liverpool this season, it hasn't. they haven't been as solid as they were last season. And you don't get the same sense of, you know, uh, stability when you see them play, especially with, uh, you know, their tightness at the back. Um, and... That's why I think you know they have conceded five goals, and the large number of victories that they have uh, taken in the you know in the Premier League, there has been an element of luck in this. 
um, it if if you know the coin had been tossed the other way, I am pretty sure that Liverpool would have uh, been on the losing end maybe four out of six times. Even for yesterday's game against Sheffield, yeah. if Sheffield had actually taken those chances, it's it's very likely that Liverpool may have only been able to draw or even win. Uh, I mean, lose the game. You know, it's it's not uh, uh, to discredit Sheffield or anything, but yeah. The goalie didn't didn't cover himself in glory for for that, yeah. But um, you know, with with the high line, I'm 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 definitely on board with what you're saying. Uh, I just think that there are two or three aspects to this. Mm-hmm. So the the first one is, uh, with regards to sometime last season, Liverpool, between Jan and Feb, where they were playing almost three games a week, uh, they found that the midfield resources were very, very stretched. Then the reason I say this is because Liverpool last season were in gig and press mode, and right, like they've been right through when you know Klopp has taken over. And what that's resulted in is that for a large part of the season, Liverpool do the gig and pressing, but that results in their midfield, which is the engine room for Liverpool, being very, very tired and very leggy in some games which I think Klopp is trying to address. And that's why what they've done is they've moved a line, uh, their line higher by at least a meter in front. And what that's resulted in is that the midfield does less pressing because they're nearer to the opposition goal. And that's why they have to do less pressing forward and more containment you know, in the midfield center. That's, I think, the main reason uh, for the high line, where Klopp knows that this season they they have to have, uh, they've got to play a lot of games. They've got to contend with the Champions League, Premier League, Carabao Cup. Hopefully, you know Liverpool don't get disbarred from that. But apart from that, the FA Cup. Then they've got the Super the Super Cup, uh, and I'm not sure whether the FIFA Club World yeah, Cup is yeah, is in play. Are well. uh, they're playing as well? Yeah. So if you just take a look, there's that six competitions already, and this team hasn't made any additions to the first team this season. They've only signed, I think, two or three outfield players and all two of them uh, are youngsters and only Adrian is is in the first team only because of the injury to, to Alisson. But do you, do you think an, another reason why we're seeing this instability or shakiness in defence is because of Alisson's absence uh, and Adrian's... I mean, not emergence, but because Arjan is coming to the team, he's getting used to the back line. Are we seeing, can we attribute some of the shakiness to that? Or is it... Um, uh, to, to be fair, I'm sure there might be some amount of percentage that you can allocate for this. I'm sure when you lose a, a goalkeeper like Adrian, uh, sorry, like Alisson, uh, early on in the season and you have a relatively uh, inexperienced goalkeeper in Liverpool's first team come in, uh, and he hasn't obviously played at West Ham before coming for almost the whole season. Yeah. He's coming rusty. I'm sure there must be some amount of uh, you know percentage that you can allocate for this. How much though? It's 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 up for debate. I I really don't know whether it could be attributed all that much uh, because even in the preseason friendlies, if you took took a look, um, Liverpool were shaky even when Allison was in goal, and I think. It, it would be a bit unfair. Yeah, he wasn't there in the preseason because he was busy with Brazil, right? Brazil was. Yeah, yeah. He was there for the last game, right? Uh, if yeah. I'm not wrong, or did he maybe, not come back? Maybe the last game. I think uh, 
he was there for the community shield the community shield okay But, sure yeah no i okay. i get the i get your point uh i another thing that or another reason that popped into my head and one that had been discussed initially when probably after the community shield or during the super cup part was that now uh this season premier league's introduced the var system right yep. and yep. var at least uh objectively looks at offside so even if you're a yes. millimeter offside you're offside you're offside yeah do you think because of this rule that liverpool are trying to play the offside trap by pushing higher and letting because they know that even like people who are fast will get caught offside and people who are slow the defenders like van dijk and matip are fast enough or even robertson are fast enough to you know turn around and get back on get back and defend yeah um i i definitely think that that is that is a reason um you know var being introduced allows jurgen klopp's team to kind of push up a high line and every time they see a striker make a run they they're free to actually move one step forward to catch him offside so this actually could be seen specifically uh in the chelsea game that liverpool just won last week when they won 2-1 the number of times tammy abraham was caught offside you know it was telling because he was making the right runs if you actually observe uh, his his posi- positioning through the game Initially he was up against Van Dijk but he realized that Van Dijk was too strong so he went against Matip who's slightly slower obviously compared to Van Dijk and he his runs were actually very good on another day they may have been able to get you know the right ball across but every time he wanted to make a run Van Dijk and and the back four moved one step ahead and Tammy Abraham already is in motion right so he's naturally yeah. going to be yeah. caught offside Yeah and I wanted and speaking of Tammy Abraham and all and we saw even with Nicolas Pepe and with Tammy Abraham these fast strikers they if you're smart enough okay and Tammy Abraham's probably is smart but it's probably the lack of experience more than his intelligence that got him got him offside but if yes. if he has that intelligence and a, a striker say like Aguero or <laughs> Jesus or Sterling you know intelligent strikers they can easily exploit this we've, we've seen it also in liverpool game we saw it even against sheffield where we've had them running through the lines their attackers run through the lines and bypass the offside system if we can see it why is klopp not fixing it and going back to what worked well last year is it because like you said the uh, midfield becoming too tired um i think you know the the there are reasons perhaps that i am not aware of obviously that klopp only and his team is able to see but i think you know if they're actually able to implement this highline with the introduction of var properly what that will do is it kind of gives liverpool an edge in this season and moving forward because they've already adapted to the new change in system as introduced by the premier league you see if you're a team like say Sheffield were yesterday they were very content to be back in their opposition half in their own half sorry yeah. uh and soak up the opposition pressure and launch long balls forward because they're good in the air then for them the VAR being introduced actually doesn't make much difference because ultimately they are spending most time in their own half and very less time in the opposition half but for a team and you know they're not really looking to attack 
that's most teams actually coming to, if you just take Anfield as an example, I'm not going to take away games because away games are a little bit more open-ended for sure. But if teams come to Anfield, generally they're not looking to attack because if you're coming to Anfield, the, the fear factor at Anfield has been restored to such a level that you're already coming to play out for a draw or trying to limit the loss. So for a lot of these teams, I don't think that the introduction of VAR has changed much. But for teams like Liverpool, who would like to be closer to the opposition half as much as possible so they can limit the amount of exertion during games, I think this would be one of the main reasons that they've actually pushed one line ahead. Because even during these games this season, Matip has been starting rather than, uh, than Gomez. Yeah. And Matip yeah. isn't as quick as Gomez for sure. So I don't think it it necessarily has to do with the speed of Liverpool's backline, but rather that they want to anticipate the runs of the opposition strikers. Right. And like I've seen a couple of these Monday fo- night football footages that's, that they've shown, which is, I while I agree that, I mean, that that's the line that they're playing. Now, mm-hmm. sometimes I find both Van Dijk and Matip, you know... There's a class, there's like if you learn or if you are a defender, when mm-hmm. you see the ball coming towards you, you're you're already on the half turn anticipating that the striker would get past. So you kind of you're you're already halfway through chasing him, right? Yeah. Whereas off late, you kind of see Van Dyke and Matip kind of trying staying static, staying in that line to make sure that the offside is put it, like I mean the trap works. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think that's that that is something that needs to change rather than the system itself being changed? That Van Dyke and Matip should uh, move or react quicker to a through ball situation. Well, I think you know one of the things that I think is happening this season is that the Liverpool that Liverpool's backline isn't really at fault for most of these goals. If you take a look at it, I think what's happening is that their midfield which has generally been comprised of you know, Henderson, Wijnaldum and Fabinho, yeah. their ball retention this season hasn't been the best. And I think this is the reason that the backline of Liverpool is being put under more pressure. Because what happens is if you see Liverpool's full-backs, you know, Robertson and, uh, and Arnold, they really bomb in front, right? And so the protection for the backline is typically by uh, Fabinho mm-hmm. and to some extent Jordan Henderson. But when the ball is not being retained properly or you're not winning enough challenges, meaning Wijnaldum and Henderson, who are doing the pressing majority of the time, are not winning enough challenges, what that results in is there's a gap behind them and on the flanks because Robertson is all the way up, uh, Arnold's all the way up, and just behind them you have space on the flanks. And behind Henderson and Wijnaldum, obviously Fabinho can't cover that space all by himself. You have that space. So, which is why you're seeing a lot of long balls actually being pumped over the top into the flanks to hurt Liverpool because the fullbacks are so far up that you just pump a long ball in front. And as long as you've got a speedy winger or a striker to go and chase those down, you will actually see that the gap between Matip and Van Dijk, who are the centre-backs, that increases. And then that, that that's where actually the issues come for Liverpool, in my opinion. What okay? If you were Jurgen Klopp, how would you solve such an issue, like h- hypothetically? Well, I, it's 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 tough, right? Because for one, I understand why he's doing it because he feels probably 
that the exertion is too much and he has a small squad. Yeah. So he can't ask that his team to keep pressing all the time. They do it in spurts now rather than full gig on gig and pressing, uh, you know, all, all through the game. And at the same time, as a Liverpool supporter, you'd want him to fix the obvious errors. So maybe what I would think could be a solution, uh, I could be wrong, but what could be a solution would be to kind of get the ball retention better. And I think that'll help once Nabi Keita or Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain are back to full fitness. And the reason I'm saying this is because they're the ones who can actually control the ball mm-hmm. and look for progressive passes rather than Henderson, Wijnaldum, who look for more sideways and more cautious passing. And when what, what, what happens is if you're looking for progressive passing, these midfielders, Chamberlain and Naby Keita, are able to actually break through the midfield of the opposition and get closer to the opposition half goal. So when that happens, the opposition midfield will start to retreat rather than press. Because what they know that Henderson and Wijnaldum generally look for sideways passing. They look either for Arnold on the right or Robertson on the left, and which is why they press. Because if you can cut off Liverpool's fullbacks, generally the delivery into the box or into Salah or Mane is generally restricted because they don't currently have in that midfield three anybody who can break through the opposition midfield, almost like a Steven Gerrard. They yeah. don't have yeah. that kind of player, box-to-box player or a pure dribbler like a Coutinho who can take the ball and do things with it. They don't have that. I think once these either one of these players is back to full fitness... I think this issue will be solved, in my opinion. Yeah, and yeah. I, I want to come back to the midfield because that's another topic I want to talk about in this episode. But uh, I think what you're also hinting at is that is the, probably one of the reasons why last season both Robertson and Arnold had like 13-12 assists because there was no Nabi Keita was injured half the time. Uh, yeah. Chamberlain was gone for the full season. So, you didn't really yeah. have a ball-playing midfielder or a playmaker of sorts like Coutinho to play through the centre and that's why you yes. had Henderson and Wijnaldum looking through the sides and you had the attacking fullbacks go gung-ho right to the byline yeah. and crossing it in. Yes. Fair enough. Now, let's talk about the midfield because that's another part I wanted to talk about which is against mm-hmm. Napoli, Jurgen yeah. Klopp kind of employ. Uh, Employed, yeah, uh, a three-man midfield like he normally does. But I think this is the second time he's a he chose to select Henderson, uh, Milner, and Fabinho. Yeah, I want to know is is there a reason why he goes on the full defensive, especially against some of the big teams? Well, I think for one, Liverpool's away record ever since Jurgen Klopp has taken over hasn't been the best. Um, I mean, they had this bad record against the big six in the Premier League just until recently last week when they beat Chelsea finally away at Stamford Bridge. Um, You know, historically, Liverpool under Jurgen Klopp haven't been the best away. So what he does or what he has done has been, you know, the use of his most trusted players. The players he knows will be the most likely to carry out his instructions on the field, which is why... His use of Jordan Henderson, obviously, being the captain, is is, uh, self-explanatory. You know, Fabinho is the only natural holding midfielder they have, so they have to play him. And James Milner is the other leader within the team. So, 
they, these three midfielders don't offer that sort of creativity, obviously. Mm-hmm. What he generally expects from them is to stop opposition attacks and just feed the balls out to the wide players or the fullbacks. I think that's really their job and game management. Because in games like this, you need people with experience. Because if you saw, uh, you know, the game at the at the Napoli ground, it was absolutely hostile, right? The, the crowd goes berserk each time any Liverpool player touches the ball. They boo, they, you know, they hiss. So being a player with experience, you know how to deal with these situations probably better mm-hmm. than, than, say, some other players. And obviously, with the options that he has, you take a look at who he has, right? He's got probably six midfield options out of which Nabikita is injured. Chamberlain is just coming back from injury, so he's not ready. Lalana pretty much was out the whole of last season as well, in and out, in and out of the team. So that just leaves four of them, right? Wijnaldum, Henderson, Fabinho, and Milner. So out of those I, I, four, would, I would put Shakiri in there as well. Yeah, so which is, which is why I actually said, you know, the, this point, that he only picks people that he trusts. And so Shakiri, if you've noticed, has only ever played one game in Liverpool central midfield. I forget which game it was, but he was hooked off even just before halftime. The reason being that Shakiri just doesn't have that defensive element to his game or that consistency in following instructions, or at least that's the way Klopp sees it, which is why even this season, yesterday Salah was, was abysmal, right, against uh, Sheffield. He was... He was off the pace. Probably you could you can attribute it to him being tired. Mm-hmm. He's, he's not been at the best of form right from the start of the season. It's probably been Mane who's been carrying the team. But he still starts Salah. He doesn't start Shakiri, And Shakiri has probably played only a few minutes this season in the Premier League. And it's probably because he uses players that he absolutely trusts in big games. And even if you take a look, last season against Barcelona... At Anfield, he didn't start Wijnaldum. Yeah. It was the same midfield of Henderson, Milner and Fabinho. But the injury to Robertson made Milner move to left back and that's when he brought on Wijnaldum because he knows historically Wijnaldum has a habit of disappearing during away games. And I think that's the reason that he chose this midfield. Okay, I, I get that. But, um, I mean... Like, I, I get the whole trust part because that's something that we saw even in the 17-18 season Champions League at least that he went on with the midfield three of I think Henderson, Milner and Wijnaldum. I mean, they're not yeah. the most creative of people. But I just feel that like you said earlier that because these three aren't the most creative of players that mm-hmm. it goes on to the wide flanks and I'm saying against Napoli their main threat comes on from the flanks. You see, even yeah. against uh, City, would be flanks Sterling and Bernardo Silva, or it's never. I mean, De Bruyne is there, but De Bruyne also moves to the flanks. So, yeah. does he need to shift or change his midfield three when he when he, do you think that he needs to change the midfield three? Well, I think until such time where that he gets a player who can be a playmaker, right? In the mold of a Coutinho. I think until then, the reliance on the fullbacks will be very, very essential. Because right now you see that all the crossing isn't done by any wingers. They don't have wingers, right? They have inverted forwards who cut in and and shoot, which is Mane and Salah. They hug the touchline, yes, initially. 
but they don't, they're not hardline touching wingers all the way to the end. They get the ball on the wing, they cut inside, and they shoot. So the the only width that they have is being provided by the fullbacks. So until such time that you have a playmaker taking control of the situation, bursting through midfield, you know, dribbling past opposition midfields and getting into the forward zone just behind maybe Firmino, yeah. you will still have a reliance on Robertson and Arnold if they are the fullbacks on the day to actually deliver in those crosses. Because Liverpool's front three are not big, right? But you see them score a lot of goals with their head. And that's the reason is because the angle of attack is generally from deeper within the flanks rather than all the way at the touchline. True. Okay, and uh, I mean, we were talking about a playmaker, and do you think that's something that Liverpool missed out on purchasing this season, or do you think he has a reliance that Ox is back, Kaita will come good, that those are his playmaking options? Well, I think, to be honest with you, um, Naby Keita has been in and out of the Liverpool team right from the from this time he started, right? Yeah. So, he hasn't had it uh, going for him in terms of uh, injuries, mm-hmm. he's been injured quite a bit. Whether this is you know something uh, prolonged, like say a Daniel Sturridge, or whether it's just been unlucky and there will be a time when he's fit again with no problems and he's ready to go, I, I'm not sure which which category he may fall under. But to be honest, there are some moments that I remember of Navigator, um, and this guy has it. You know, he has everything to be the player that you need because he really has the dribbling quality. He has a bit of pace in him. He's got tackling ability and he's got vision, right? So he actually combines everything that you really want in a midfielder. He reminds me a little bit of a Conte from Chelsea with, you know, maybe the the vision perhaps of a De Bruyne maybe. I'm not sure... Of obviously, if he'll ever reach that standard, yeah, but I, I'm I'm sure he has that potential. I I mean, Conte is a little more of a defensive midfielder, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, but I I get it. he he is a box to box midfielder with a vision to pass. I mean, we saw it even last year when he first came into the team. He 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 was quite excited. He was very good. Yeah, yeah, he was very very good. Yeah. Um, and you know your other question on on Chamberlain, so. Obviously, until Roma last season, yeah. Chamberlain was brilliant, right? Yeah, yeah. He, his driving runs through midfield because he's got the pace, right? Any midfielder who has the, the sort of pace that, say, Chamberlain does can really get past you when you're a bit more static. Mm-hmm. If, you're on, if you're not on your toes, this guy with his speed can get past you and then you're trailing. So that, that the, the goal that always... You know, strikes me out when I talk about Chamberlain is his strike against Manchester City, yes. where he yeah. got the ball just after midfield. He pushed, you know, a few yards in front, and he hit the shot against uh, Edison. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what Liverpool need because they don't have Coutinho anymore. Yeah. Anderson's yeah. not going to do that. Wijnaldum's not going to do that. Milner's not going to do that. And Lalana has never been the, the biggest of goal scorers for Liverpool. I mean, so I, okay, I, I yeah. would disagree with you. I think before his injury. I think before the arrival of Salah, mm-hmm. I think Lalana was one of the more important players for Liverpool. Sure. He he. Okay, fine. He he's not as prolific as the front three are right now, but yeah, I think he was quite crucial before his long term injury that happened. And oh, absolutely. Now he's 
obviously now he's lost his place and he's apparently going to look at playing a little more deeper than yeah this thing but yeah I, the, I the issue i think the issue i think with lalana is that he's he isn't quick enough to play on the flanks right neither is he strong enough to play in midfield which is what Klopp actually has an issue with because if you look at the midfielders that Liverpool have, Wijnaldum is strong, Henderson is strong, Fabinho is really tall. He's, he's not maybe the strongest looking guy, but, but he wins all his headers. He's really tall and he's able to win all his tackles as well on the ground, sliding or standing. Mm-hmm. As well as, you know, if you see Chamberlain or Keita, they may be more in the playmaking zone. And then you look at Salah, Mane, Firmino. Lalana isn't the same as any one of them. He is a bit of he has a mix of each one of them, but he isn't a complete package. And I think that's the reason that he has never been able to nail down any single position within the team. Or you know, he's he's not a winger, neither is he a striker, neither is a defensive midfielder, which is what Jurgen Klopp is trying for now. I'm not really sure about that. That's the problem. All right. Okay. So yeah, I I kind of agree with more like everything i i just show you with lalana's thing that i disagree but otherwise yeah i think you're pretty much on point with what you think about the high line and the midfield i i agree with you and i i mean i i hope either keta and ox comes good else we get yeah. a good playmaking playmaker in the next season I mean, you know i mean to be to be honest if they use shakiri i wouldn't be against it completely yeah. but i think the issue that klopp has is He's just completely devoid of any defensive uh, intelligence in his head, perhaps. Of it is a harsh way of saying it, but yeah, I think that's the reason he's not been selected, really. No, I I completely agree. I think he's he's got the attacking prowess, he's got the you know the skills, the movement, everything. But I don't think he has the work rate that Klopp kind of looks for. Needs, yes, or, yeah. At least on a regular to play a full ninety-minute game, he's he can do it in spurts. Uh, or we saw it even at Barcelona when required. But, you know, on a consistent basis, well, that's what 13 million only gets you. Yeah, true. <laughs> all right. So, I think that's all we have for on today's episode. Uh, yeah. We'll definitely catch up soon with more Liverpool games coming up thick and fast. I mean, we've got yeah, Carabao Cup. We've got, hopefully, we're still there. Uh, I mean, I don't think we're going to get kicked out because I think I read somewhere that... Stoke or Sunderland also had Sunderland, an, Sunderland, Sunderland, yeah, yeah, had an issue, and then they just paid a fine. So I think we should be okay. Because I'm really looking forward fun. to see us playing uh, against Arsenal again. Yeah, for sure. With with the kids, right? I would like to see the kids. Yeah, I, I read somewhere that like an Arsenal fan got was like, "Oh shit, we're playing at Anfield again." And then somebody, one of the Liverpool fans, wrote, "It's chill, man. Klopp's gonna play at the under 19s only." And he's like, "Yeah, that's gonna be what three one instead of five one." <laughs> but yeah, yeah for sure. uh, Arsenal is always a good fun game to watch yeah alright man thanks for being a part of the podcast once again my pleasure yeah we'll thanks de- for having me yeah we'll definitely catch up so no, don't forget sure. to leave a like drop a comment share with friends and family and for football's sake subscribe to the channel we are now on seven different podcast platforms including Spotify Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts Uh, And yeah, the works. So thanks again for tuning in. Until the next episode, see you. See you.